Hey there, it's Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR. Before we get into the next episode, I wanted to ask that you subscribe to the show. It'll help us get even more unique and interesting guests on the podcast and in turn continue to educate management teams and the growing ecosystem that creates value for fast-growing private and public companies. And while you're at it, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. Very much appreciated. So, hey, when you're shopping, it's very exciting. You get all excited. Then you start involving your interior designer or your builder or your contractor. And then all of a sudden, delays start to happen. More often than not, your story isn't about the products you sell. It's about the brand connection you create with your consumers. So we really want to shepherd you all the way through that process from the fun inspiration part through the more painful part of getting the project planned and then getting to the fun part where you're actually going out and you're grilling and you're inviting your friends and family over to enjoy the the backyard with you. Being a public company can be hard. Small missteps can have outsized consequences. I'm Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR, and over the last 20 years, we've helped thousands of companies understand and navigate the stock market and the media. We'll demystify these and other increasingly complex stakeholder groups so you can focus on what you do best, building your company, and unlocking your true potential. This is Welcome to the Arena. So how do you go from selling a product to creating an actual community? Ask the team at Barbecue Guys. On the surface, you might think they just sell grills, but the more you dig into what they do, the services they offer, and how they treat their customers, the clearer it becomes that they don't just sell grills. They're selling family time, game day with friends, sharing a meal and relaxing outdoors. They're also bringing people closer to what their dream home can be and holding their hand every step of the way. So what does that look like from an operational perspective? Well, we have just the guy to talk about it. Russ Wheeler joined Barbecue Guys as CEO in August of 2020 after 25 years in online home improvement. In his time with Barbecue Guys, he's overseen incredible growth. And together, we'll be looking at the addressable market, how he builds his internal teams, and how the Barbecue Guys brand is thriving without disrupting their key partnerships. Let's enter the arena with Russ Wheeler. So barbecueguys.com is like the sickest website I've ever been to. It's got, you know, attracts consumers, professionals. We'll get into that on the site, grills, smokers, outdoor kitchen stuff, barbecue accessories, steaks, burgers, fire pits, heat lamps, really everything for kind of that outdoor backyard party experience. And it feels like you're uh, building a community, number one. And the photos of the food are insane. I'm drooling halfway through the website but it's really kind of where outdoor living meets e-commerce in a way, Russ. So maybe you can just talk about this crazy community of passionate people who love to trick out their backyard with, you know, uh, highly technical equipment sometimes, but also a lifestyle. What, what does barbecue guys do and, and how does that all fit into it? 
Well, Tom, you got it kind of dialed in. I don't know if you even need me here today to, to kind of go <laughs> yeah. over it, but yeah, it, it's a monologue. <laughs> exactly. First of all, the category is incredibly fun. As you said, you know, it's you start getting on these YouTube channels and, and some of the things we're doing in these videos, and it, it really, it really does make you hungry. And you know, when I joined, you know, over a year ago, I was like, oh. It's not good getting around all this food. Uh, and I've definitely put on the freshman 15 since I've been here. So it's a challenge. So you got to keep exercising, but there's a lot of really, really good things that we're doing. And we do everything, like you said, barbecue guys is a platform uh, for, for this community. So we absolutely want to help you solve whatever you're doing in your backyard, whether it's a full outdoor kitchen where we'll, you know, we'll do an online outdoor kitchen design for you or just help you upgrade your grill. And then when you're doing that, we have what's called grill abilities where we're doing just what you said. We have master's classes, everything from very complex, how to do a competition pork butt to, you know, how to pick out and season a steak. So there really is something for everybody, whether you're you're buying something or whether you just want to really, you know, as Jason, our, our CDO says, want to be backyard famous. Yeah, totally agree. And it's intuitive to anybody who hears that story. When, when you showed up in the middle of COVID, you know, obviously, um, on the one hand, people didn't know how this was going to pan out. On the other hand, you knew people were going to be at home and uh, cooking for themselves, and that was a good opportunity. But what did you see that Brand Velocity Partners, which was the private equity firm backing the company, what, what did they do different that attracted you? And, you know, how do they still help kind of push the business forward with, with y'all? Well, that's, that's actually the, the exact reason why I joined. I wasn't looking for a new role. I really, I love the Ferguson team who owns build.com. They have a great executive management team and I, and I love the build team. We, we have a great company and we were, we were building a, a really, a really great business there. And actually the founder of build.com, Chris Friedland was down there doing some consulting for Mike Hackley, who's the founder of barbecue guys. And he reached out to me, said, Hey, you know, Mike's looking to sell the business to private equity. And I was like, uh, private equity doesn't, you know, I've had private equity approach me over the years. And it didn't really fit my core values. And when I was introduced to BBP, you know, Steve Leibowitz, uh, Drew Scheinman and Austin Ramos, they're really doing it differently. You know, obviously they're private equity. They have a lot of financial acumen, but they were also bringing marketing acumen and that's what you've seen with our partnership with the Mannings, as well as LaDainian Tomlinson and Stephen Landon Hutchison. So great opportunity to not just bring the, the, the financials and the capital, but also bringing the, the marketing opportunity. And the thing that really closed the deal for me was when, when Steve started talking to about share the gains. And, and share the gains is where BVP is giving a percentage of, you know, 10% of their carried interest. So their profit on the deal or any deal we would happen to do to the employee. So in this case, uh, with us, you know, potentially going public, every single employee will be shareholders in the company. I'm also giving 10% of my equity because we don't want to just enrich the senior management team. We want to make it it good for, for all employees and really have an opportunity for them to build wealth. And when you do that, you, you build great loyalty. And it's it's certainly shown in, in our you know results over the past 12 months. You know, I've done a lot of acquisitions over the years, and I've never seen the existing team buy in to the, to the future owners so quickly and, and so positively. So that's really been a, a really nice uh, thing that, that helps us grow the business profitably, but also bring everybody along on the ride with us. Yeah. You know, and, and so many private equity firms, you hear these stories, you know, horror stories that can really make your life miserable. And obviously they have other people's capital and their job is to get a return on that capital and everybody gets it. But when you can share that 
across an organization. Now you're talking about, you know, a lot of people might sell grills and outdoor products and things like that. But when you've got the culture piece right in a company, things can really explode. And it looks to me like the financial performance of the business has just been incredibly consistent. It jumped out to me. When you look back at the historical growth, even before you got there, it just seems to be a very consistent and reliable business. And what do you attribute to that? So the culture when we joined the, the company was was great. We had, we had a great company, uh, great culture, you know, Louisiana roots. And so it was like, how do we keep what made barbecue guys special, but then also try to modernize it and, and build it for scale as we as we want to grow, you know, over the next, you know, five to 10 years. So, you know, coming in, we saw this business that was very profitable, like you said, you know, 20 years of consistent profitable growth. You know, we could certainly be growing faster, but again, we want to, we want both. We feel like we can have our cake and eat it too. We want to have good, consistent growth, not crazy hundred percent year over year growth, but good, consistent growth and drive that profitability. And that profitability is being driven because of our focus with our, our own brand portfolio. So about 30% of our sales are our own brands, which gives us a, a good, strong margin profile. And then we pair that with our key brand partners like Weber, Traeger, Napoleon. And so we really you know, are offering this curated assortment. We're not trying to out Amazon, Amazon or out Home Depot, Home Depot or out Wayfair, Wayfair. They're all great companies. You know, I, I worked for Home Depot. I was part of an acquisition for them 20 years ago. They're great businesses. So we really try to stick to our, you know, our, our strengths, which is this curated assortment. And then again, as you said, using this platform to engage our customers, whether they're you know, looking for recipes, they want to buy you know, our new protein, or they want to upgrade their, their grill or build an outdoor kitchen. And that's the way we kind of you know, build a little moat around our business. On the surface, it may seem like you kind of do just one thing with kind of one product. But once you really go around the website, and you know, certainly for investors, what you're talking about, all these different brands, it's really a portfolio approach. And when you have a portfolio approach, there's diversification. When there's diversification, there's reliability of results. How do you manage that portfolio of brands, including your own? Does that mix change a lot over time? Or, or how do you approach kind of your own brand and mixing it in with others? We take a, a less is more approach. 80% of our sales are being done by the top 20 brands. And that would include our own brands as well. So when we focus on it, one of the first things I did when I got here was, you know, let's said, let's focus on that, that bottom 20%. And if the, if they aren't unique, if they're not bringing something that the customer wants, if it's kind of a, a me too type product, we want to de-emphasize that because we really want to steer our customers to the, to these great brand partners that we have, as well as our own brand portfolio. So blaze, for example, which is our, premium luxury stainless steel grill brand, when we built that brand about eight years ago, we built it by targeting gaps in the market. And when you look at our business, you know, we would see customers coming in and asking for things and there'd be things that that our brand partners didn't have. So we kind of identified spots in the market where we saw demand coming in, but we weren't able to solve for it. And so that's how we kind of built the Blaze brand. So there's really not a lot of conflict with our key brand partners. And another thing that, that really works well for our key brand partners is we're typically selling, you know, one to two price tiers above what is their normal AOV. So like for Weber, our AOV is over a thousand. For for Napoleon, it's over fifteen hundred. For Traeger, it's over fifteen hundred. So we're selling their more profitable products. Or we're not selling their opening price point products as our kind of lead item. That's super interesting to have a team and obviously measuring sales and analytics and, and AOV and all those things. 
The other thing that's really fascinating, I think, about the story for investors is you're not just a consumer site. You're almost, I don't want to call it B2B if that's not correct, but you are attracting professionals who work around either design or building. And uh, the website has a, a separate area for those pros to join. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how you treat regular consumers who are just coming to buy something like me. Uh, which is pretty straightforward, but then the pros, like how do you, what are the professionals on that site? What can they expect when they visit there and partner with you guys? So kind of going back to my my roots at, at build.com, we have a playbook and that's one of the things that, that BVP and, and the barbecue guys team liked about my background is they were always benchmarking build for the way we were doing things for the decorative inside of the home. You know, barbecue guys, we focus on the outside of the home. And one of the things we learned at Build over the last years was pros were coming into our site acting like consumers. So we were acquiring pros through just a normal product search. You're searching for an outdoor kitchen or you're searching for a pellet grill. There was a lot of professionals coming in on these product searches looking like consumers. And we built that business at Build, you know, over the last, you know, five plus years from from basically zero to over $400 million. So it was 30 to 40% of the business when I left. And so that's what Chris was, the the founder who I mentioned earlier, was down there consulting Mike about, hey, how to launch this pro initiative, which we had already built. So when I came in, we knew pro was a huge opportunity. We immediately got after it middle of last year and started focusing on it. Again, those professionals were coming in, but we weren't, we weren't really targeting them. So what we did, we started targeting them and just what you said, hey, would you like to be in our professional program and, and opt in? Then we also mine the data for business names and then we'll pass those out to our pro team uh, via leads. So now we have about, since the beginning of the year, we have about eight people on our pro account managers. And so they're managing a book of business by geographic area. Uh, we've had over 4,000 new pros come in, about 150 a week, again, organically looking like a consumer. And as you said, it's very similar to what you're doing. When, when you come in as a consumer, there's a lot of overlap between that professional and that consumer because we'll see the consumers will refer their pros to us and then the pros will refer their consumer to us. Because in a lot of cases, all we're really becoming is an extension of their business. We want to make their life easier so they can do more projects. And we know with the the crazy demand that we're seeing, the, the growth in the outdoor living and, and people building up their backyards, they are all incredibly thin on time. So if we can make their life easier and they can go from doing two projects to four projects, that becomes a win for them. And then we get to we get to handle all the the products that they need for their for their project. And and you know, it's it seems like you're only scratching the surface with this stuff, even though the company's been around for a while. Like, what what's the total addressable market? And, and you know, it, it's funny when I was kind of uh, looking over the business. There's obviously the the grilling piece, but then there's the whole outdoor piece. Like, how do you guys define the addressable market uh, when you look down 10, 20 years from now? What what could this be? We think that the the addressable market is is huge. We think it's a $40 billion TAM. When you look at the TAM for just grilling, as you mentioned, it's about $7 billion. And again, that's where we play primarily today. But even in that that $7 billion grilling TAM that we see, where you know Weber has like uh, 21% penetration, Traeger has about 7% penetration. When you look at our grill brand, Blaze, we're barely 1% penetration there. And what we've been good at in the moat that we built around our business is in the outdoor kitchens. So most people think of grills, they think of freestanding grills, which is that's what you know Weber and Traeger are, are super good at and, and do a ton of. Well, we're not even really 
that's that's less than 25% of our business is that freestanding market. Half our business is, is the outdoor kitchens. So that's something that we're, we're very excited about. We think we have an opportunity to grow that outdoor kitchen business, but also go in more into the freestanding, which is the larger part of the TAM and grilling. And then, as you said, expand into those adjacent categories for outdoor living, whether it's weatherized TVs, outdoor furniture, fire pits, heating, all the things that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, so all you need is like a couple billion of that. You're, you'd be happy. Exactly. You know, beyond their excellent products and great delivery, Barbecue Guys has found success by really understanding their consumer. They've harnessed the excitement of backyard celebrities and helped weekend remodelers pursue their dream. They've also found creative ways to let their consumers interact with their company and each other. And that allows them to build a brand connection like very few companies. It's a fast growing and expanding market and Barbecue Guys have the execution chops to take advantage. So the way that we, we kind of differentiate ourselves is again, Barbecue Guys is a platform. It's not just an e-commerce platform, but it's a content platform as well. We want to continue to grow and, and develop that and, and bring this community that not just the content we create, but create a platform where where our our, our customers and the people that are members of that community can 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 post their own content and again and share all these ideas and and keep them you know active on our site. If you look at our data over, the, like we said, we've had this 20 years of consistent profitable growth. We also have 20 years of product and customer data. So again, we're using proprietary, uh, you know, algorithms to do our, you know, product searches and how do we how we push things up to the top of what we call the beachfront real estate on page one on the product drop. That's based on demand. It's based on whether they're a key brand partner of ours, and it's based on what our customers are looking for and customer reviews. So we really have great information. And then again, we're we're very we, we put it very front forward to the customer. Would you like to chat? Would you like to get on the phone with us? Because again, you're spending a lot of money. It's a complex category and we want to answer your questions. We don't want you to be afraid of this. We saw the same thing at Build. One of the biggest challenges with outdoor projects in general, over 50% of them do not get finished because they're complex. So, hey, when you're shopping, it's very exciting. You get all excited. Then you start involving your, your interior designer or your builder or your contractor. And then all of a sudden, delays start to happen. So we really want to shepherd you all the way through that process from the fun, inspiration part through the more painful part of getting the project planned and, and living through that. And then getting to the fun part where you're actually going out and you're grilling and you're inviting your friends and family over to enjoy the, the backyard with you. The name of the game there is just even for me personally, you know, it's like I, it, all those projects can be so intimidating and people don't have time. And, and the other thing about getting customers on the phone is you're building a relationship and, you know, a lot of companies send you to some uh, robotic call center, which is just so brutal. But, um, you know, those, that, those kinds of little things, I think, keep people coming back. When you go kind of less from the tactical stuff to it, more to kind of the metrics that Wall Street looks at and all that kind of stuff, when you think of uh, your lifetime value of a customer to the acquisition cost, uh, as they say, LTV to CAC, that number 4.4, how, how, should, how should investors read into that number relative to the rest of the world? So our our you know four point four LTV to CAC is it's a really a really strong number and again that's driven because of our strong AOV. So if you look at our AOV for the web sales and we do want that we want our share of that transactional business it's about seven hundred dollars. Then when we get you into our sales center, 
And we're very quick to call it a sales center and it's not a call center for all the reasons you just said. We don't look at our people as a cost. We look at them as a competitive advantage. So when you look at our sales center, uh, we're doing about half our sales are going into what we call sales center touch. And that also includes the professional. So when we get you into our sales ecosystem, that's when we're going to start helping you with that consultative sale. Do you need to upgrade your grill? Again, trying to reduce the fear of, of, of anything you're doing on the project. But really, you know, what we're doing is we're solving the customer's needs and then we're growing that AOV. So our AOV, when we get them into the sales center, goes from 700 to almost 2,000. So it more than doubles. And then when it gets to pro, it almost doubles again. So that's where you get the really strong lifetime value with the pro, which again, is still new, as you said. It's a huge amount of upside on the pro business, as well as continuing to, to take care of whatever that customer is leading and drive a higher AOV. Super impressive. A couple other things, Russ, that jumped out at me is the CapEx to run the company. If I was ever going to throw a softball to you, that's it right there. Talk about the CapEx uh, for the business and you know what you need to spend to get this, keep this thing going. One of the benefits of being an e-commerce company is the fact that, you know, we we generate a lot of cash. You know, the customers are paying for it when they purchase or when we ship it. So it's it's a not a capital intensive model. When we look at expanding our fulfillment footprint, when, when I joined the company over a year ago, we had our main location was in Baton Rouge. We've since opened a West Coast distribution center in Southern California, one in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. But we used uh, XPO as a partner, which is GXO now, for our three pill partner. So we're not, we don't want to be in the business of building boxes and using our capital for that. We want to partner with, with great people that are good at it. And then we just want to get our product closer to our customers and give them, you know, shorten the lead times, reduce the chance of damage and all those kind of things. So we're going through the 3PL route for our fulfillment footprint so we can use our capital for other things. That's awesome. And speaking of capital, I know that you're um, in the midst of, of a transaction right now with Velocity Acquisition Corp, a uh, SPAC. And uh, maybe you can take us through your thought process of, of engaging with them and, and what they bring to the table. It sounds like you're going to have a bunch of uh, very smart people around you on the, on the journey for the next uh, decade. Absolutely. The Velocity team is really impressive. And one of the things we really liked and the reason that we we chose them and where we partnered up was that it's run by operators. So it's run by people that have run businesses, uh, have great relationships, have had successful exits, and they have a lot of acumen in the digital business. So there's been, there, we've already had a lot of good working sessions on how we can continue to do things you said, like growing our brand um, organically and digitally. And then the opportunity is how can we expand these other categories, both both organically, but also inorganically. We think there's a big opportunity for growing the business through M&A. We did our first acquisition early this year, which was called uh, Pacific Coast Manufacturing. It was out there visiting them this week, where we actually vertically integrated all of our stainless steel accessories. So when you're building the outdoor kitchen, you know, the grill, the grill head is your hero, but you also have refrigeration, you have the sinks, the all the doors and drawers, and that's what we do out in California. So we're, we're thrilled to be, you know, U.S. manufacturing of those products and fabricating them, and again, vertically integrating part of that outdoor kitchen. And we think there's opportunity to additional M&A in adjacent categories as well as in the core category of, of grilling. Well, it sounds to me um, when that transaction closes, you will have a, a great balance sheet to go along with a great P&L and and. I have to imagine this is a relatively fragmented industry, particularly when you look at your total addressable market is not just grills, but all the other things around kind of that backyard leisure area. I have to think all of those verticals, so to speak, are very fragmented, a lot of mom and pops. Is there just, 
huge M&A opportunity. Obviously, I don't think any of that is in your numbers, nor should it be. But is there a, a big funnel and, and pipeline of things that, that you think uh, will be able to shake free for you to make a, a one plus one makes three or four? We do. And, you know, thanks for bringing that up. There is no M&A in, a, in the model that we've we've put out there publicly, but we do think that there's a, a lot of opportunity. And we do have a very robust pipeline that we're, you know, continuing to work through. Um, but yeah, we're very excited about that. There's a lot of interest right now with the excitement around the category. So we absolutely think M&A is going to be a, a big part of our future growth. And in terms of the organic growth, it just seems like you've, you know, obviously taken great advantage of COVID. You have a amazing senior team uh, that it looks like you've assembled. Maybe you could just give give a comment on the senior team, what everybody brings to the table, how they could, you know, double, triple this business over the next 10 or 20 years or maybe even sooner. Tell, tell me about the senior team. So when you look at our team, again, we, we had a really good core team that was there when we acquired the company. But we've also accelerated it by bringing in, you know, strategic people and operations, sales, you know, again, focusing on the pro. Uh, Trent, who's our CFO that has public company reading us, you know, he was with Eaton for over 20 years, went through a SPAC process with Rampack. Uh, so we've really got a strong team that we're assembling so we can be, you know, public company ready. And again, as you said, grow organically. We think we got a lot of runway to grow organically, not just in the grilling space, but in the adjacent categories as well. Russ, thank you so much. It's all about the team. Uh, and the brand, and it sounds like you have so many like so many people who are amazing at building brands and and that sort of thing. It certainly bodes well to be able to build on all of the success in the past, even even before you got there, obviously, and into the future. And I think you know when I when I tick down the uh, investment highlights, you know, large and growing addressable market. Tell me if you disagree with any of these. You probably wrote them. Um, compelling financial profile, strong profitable growth great platform value proposition, curated portfolio approach with great brand partners and own brands, multi-channel sales, proven marketing engine that seems to get smarter and better every day, and, and obviously a great leadership team with a track record of success. So Russ, listen, we wish you the best of luck with the barbecue guys. I think uh, everybody listening here is going to become a customer. You're crazy if you don't go to this website because it's just awesome for you know, barbecuing with the guys out back for the family or it's college football season. And so, uh, or down at LSU and, and, and anywhere else, but, uh, Russ, thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast and, uh, fascinating to hear about the business. Tom, we appreciate the kind words and we're thrilled to be here with you today and, you know, go Tigers. I'd really like to thank Russ Wheeler of Barbecue Guys for joining us. The highest praise I can give is that after this recording, I went out and bought a steak, and I realized I have a lot of work to do in terms of getting my outdoor grilling game to an A+. So please go to barbecueguys.com. It's an amazing website. You'll be drooling all over your keyboard. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps. We'll see you next time back in the arena. References to specific stocks are not intended to be recommendations for specific trading behaviors. Comments presented on this podcast are intended for informational and educational purposes only and do not represent opinions or recommendations on whether to buy, sell, or hold shares of a particular stock.
All investors are advised to conduct their own independent research into individual stocks before making a trading decision. In addition, investors are advised that past stock performance is no guarantee of future price performance.